You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to set marketing up with a revenue target. I know that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings out there and get rid of the gray areas of dollar attribution, turning your marketing into a revenue knowledge center and why marketing should own the go-to-market strategy. To help us, we have uh, with us Christina Del Vilar, author of Sway, Implement the Grit Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy. Christina, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this subject. Yeah. So before we jump in, I always like to ask a question so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. And I am a big proponent of just understanding something you're passionate about that those that only know you through work or your professional life may be surprised to learn about you. Yes. So I blow glass. That's my, my, my passion, my pastime. Normally I, you know, kind of tinker in like ornaments and, um, pumpkins, that sort of thing. But I did, my, my father passed away a couple of years ago and I, I made a memorial heart, uh, out of, out of his ashes, which was kind of cool. So that is what Very I do. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's and cool. That's, that's a lot of equipment and some hot oh. equipment. Do you have a- <laughs> it, we do not do this at home. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we have to go to a studio and, and through, um, the, the pandemic, I mean, you're blowing glass and you have a partner. And so it's, it's really a bad, it's really a bad thing to do during COVID. So I have not done it in, in a little, in a little while, but hopefully we'll get back to the studio soon. Excellent. That is, that is awesome. Very cool. That's probably the, one of the coolest things I've heard from a, as a pastor <laughs> in a while. So I'll thank send you, you a pumpkin. That <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I'd love yeah, it. I'd love awesome. it. So let's talk about the book. So yes. writing a book's not easy. <laughs> so oh my gosh. I'm curious <sighs> about the Genesis. What entire, what, you know, inspired you to tackle it and, and, and why this topic? Yeah, so I have been thinking about a book that would help marketing professionals for for a long time now. And it really was just a matter of me being in the right headspace and really trying to understand what it was that I wanted people to to take away from it. And I have this funny story, like I had no idea, like writing a book, I was like, I'm going to write a book. And there's so much more that goes into it. And and so I learned that process, (laughs) right? Like literally, and I have this picture in my head of me, like, you know, I'm going to write a book and like dropping down this, you know, ream of parchment paper and taking out a quill and some ink and <laughs> writing this great American nonfiction business book. Uh, that's not how it happened at all. I had a laptop and it was all fine and dandy. But but yeah, it was there's there's a lot that went into writing the book. But for the the topic itself, again, I've been doing this for about 30 years now, uh, being a go-to-market and marketing strategist. And I never really thought about how I you know, take companies and products and solutions to market, but there really was a methodology. And originally when I started thinking about this book, it was going to be more like anecdotal and storytelling, like, oh my God, these are all the things that have happened to me, knowing that everybody could read it and be like, oh yeah, I've been there, been there, been there, been there. Right. But, but I, right. Like, and, and it still is like that. There's a lot of humor in the book and there's a lot of stories that I tell that I know people will be like, yes, I, I understand that. But I also really wanted it to be more of a tool that people could use. And and for me, I just felt like marketers marketers really are the backbone of every company. Kind of to you know your point in the introduction, like why should marketing, you know, own revenue? Why should we own the go to market strategy? What is a revenue knowledge center? Because marketing is the backbone of every company. 
and yet we get very little credit. And we also have a really hard time showing our results and impact. And so I wanted to create a book that would help guide marketing professionals. And anyone can use this. It'll help product. It'll help sales. It'll help customer success. But my main target was on how to help marketing professionals build that trust and gain more influence so that they're not just helping meet those revenue targets, but they're also able to articulate the results and impact they're having on those revenue results. Which is a challenge, has historically oh been a challenge. Gosh. You know, my mm-hmm. background, I, I started in marketing and my, my MBA is in marketing, then I moved into sales. But I can remember the the battles of, no, 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 this investment's going to, well, prove to me that that's <laughs> right. going to, oh, well, all right, yeah. that's a little bit more challenging. There's a story in the book where we, we did a webinar and our sales cycle was normally 12 months. And so we did a webinar. We actually had 80,000 people attend the webinar, which was totally crazy and insane. But the very next day, the CEO and the GM of the of that um, you know division we were looking at, they literally were like, "Well, how much revenue do we do we bring in in the last 24 hours from this webinar?" I'm like, "That's that's not how that works." <laughs> so <laughs> right, like it's that's you know, so you have to figure out how to set those expectations. And and again, like marketing marketers were great at marketing products and solutions, but we're, we're really bad at marketing ourselves, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and so in the title, and I want everybody who hasn't seen the, the the cover of the book to understand that grit is actually G period, R period, I period, T period. So a lot of people are probably right. thinking, all right, grit, I, you know, I understand grit. But right. when we're talking about this method, help help the audience understand what we're talking about and what it really means. Yeah. So grit, I don't know why I wanted to, I feel like marketers are gritty. They're, you know, they have a lot of grit already. And so I just wanted to figure out if I could turn this methodology into some sort of acronym, but the, the G stands for, (laughs) right. I don't know what, who knows what was going on that day, but the G stands for go to market. And that really focuses on the go to market strategy and how marketers really need to have more participation in the development and implementation of that strategy. The R stands for repeatable, predictable and measurable. And that really looks at sort of your content and program strategy. Like, are you being smart about the programs you're developing? Are you able to like write one pillar piece of content and leverage it over, you know, the next year for, you know, a hundred, 200 different things that you could be doing, whether it's social media, blog posts, infographics, that kind of thing, just really being super smart and, and focused and effective with your, um, with your content and programs. The I stands for intention, because I feel like marketers, just by the nature of who we are, we're super friendly and approachable people. And we get asked a lot of things and we get interrupted a lot on a daily basis, but we really need to be laser focused and intentional about everything we're doing, every minute we're spending, because we have a lot on our plate. And so that's what the I stands for is really just being intentional about all the different programs we're running. And literally like every minute you're spending of every day, just being super intentional about it. And the T stands for the tools and technology. And that goes to all of the things that we we need to be leveraging, looking at, owning from the, a tool standpoint, technology, you know, whether it is defining what our programs are going to be, running our programs, measuring our programs, uh, anything like that. And so that's what the T stands for. And that is the grit marketing method. In a nutshell, <laughs> there's a oh, lot more to it. it than that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. 
<laughs> well, of course, of course. Right. So one of the things that we had that had emailed back and forth about or was in the prep material was this concept of a, of a revenue knowledge center yeah. uh, and it being housed in marketing. So I'm sure that there are some people wondering what that is. So we'd love if you could kind of break that down for us. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't come up with an acronym for it. So it's just the revenue knowledge center. But basically, I feel really strongly that marketing already owns 100% of revenue. We, whether we own an actual target, which I think we actually should. But 100% of the revenue that the company has for its goals for any given quarter or year, that really sort of sits on the back of marketing, whether it is helping define the features and functionality as part of the roadmap or pricing and bundling, you know, to all the top of the funnel and middle of the funnel things we already do through campaigns and programs. We own the website, we own the brand, we own all the content that's going out there. And obviously, we're helping sales with sales enablement and working, hopefully working really closely with customers success for adoption and onboarding and expansion and renewal. And so basically across that entire customer journey, marketing is already very much involved in that process. And so we have, whether we really know it or recognize it, or, you know, it's more, maybe it's potentially more anecdotal or with years of experience, or maybe you do have some data to show this, but marketing has a really good understanding of what those attributions were to those sales and what it is that we can do, what levers we can pull or should be pulling or pushing that will help us. So for maybe behind on our target, what, you know, marketing is a really good source to go to to understand what kinds of campaigns we can do either to shorten the sales cycle or maybe pick some kind of promotion where we can actually expand the, um, you know, from a, like a one to three year a contract or things like that. And we have that, we have that knowledge. We, we know what needs to be done. And so I think that looking to marketing again, whether it is to help define what the go-to-market strategy is or help in implementing that, but really we're the ones who have a really good sense of where revenue is coming from, you know, whether it is that this particular lead source might take a shorter period of time to close, or this other lead source or target might actually result in a higher purchase price product or solution. We actually know all of that information. And, and so we should definitely be thinking about ourselves as that go-to team within an organization that can really help both catapult and exponentially increase revenue, let alone when there are times when we, we need to sort of um, close a gap, if you will. And this is a, it's a slight change of perspective change. I mean, if you think about it, but if you compare it and contrast it to kind of, you know, your experience, how will this help teams kind of pivot the way they're looking at what they do or how they do it compared to what they were doing historically that was <laughs> providing yeah. challenges with attribution and, and being the center of the organization? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you're saying, it's a mindset change, right? And it's not just for marketers. Marketers need to empower themselves and feel empowered to sort of have a seat at the table and start, you know, kind of taking over some of these roles that they that they haven't um, done yet. But it's, it's really about building that trust uh, internally, trust and influence internally so that you can really help the company align better. I still feel like we all, we're all super busy, right? And with just as an individual, we often work siloed as a team, we work siloed, you know, not really kind of bringing in the rest of the organization. But, but I really feel like you, you need to do that. You need to understand what your corporate goals are. You need to understand what your customer journey is. You need to understand the go-to-market strategy and all of those need to be aligned. Otherwise, again, you're kind of spinning your wheels or you're potentially, you know, doing work that somebody else might already be doing or is in 
inconsequential and not helping meet the goals. And so that really is, it's a huge mindset change. I've never, I, I, I love sales and I feel like my job is to help make sure that sales has pipeline, that we get the revenue that we need to, and that everybody has the tools to do that. But even there's friction, you know, with, with sales and product, there's friction with customer success and sales and, and that friction needs to go away. And I think a, a, a super easy way to do that really is just to start building some relationships. So it's not even like rocket science. It's kind of common sense, but I feel like that is where the focus <laughs> needs to be, right? Like, you know, it's like, Hey, why not just go out to coffee with your engineering buddy? It's, it's really not that complicated, but it can have significant results in having that alignment, having that empathy, bringing in context a lot, which, which I think we, we miss out on a lot as well. And so when we think about the changing landscape that we're in, thanks to the pandemic <laughs> over the last 18, 24 yeah. months, how do you feel or have you seen organizations adopt this approach or embrace this and, and, and it enable them to be more responsive in what is becoming an even more dynamic business environment than we had seen before? Right. It, it, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely different. And part of, you know, I, I actually started writing this book prior to, to COVID. And one of the things that became really clear is, you know, in, in order, some of the things that I had, you know, initially thought about is when you're trying to build those relationships and, and collaborate more, you want to meet in person, right? It's so much easier to have empathy if that person is sitting next to you. But with COVID, we, we just couldn't do that, right? And so, you know, the, the philosophy remains the same. You still need to build relationships. It's just a question of how how you do that. And, and again, I think that we've, we're able, we're able to do that and kind of have a a sense of, you know, whether it's through Zoom or, you know, other, other, you know, coffee clutches, whatever you, whatever you guys are doing in your own organizations, there's definitely room to do that. But I also think that it is, it's really critical. And I think this came up a lot with COVID as well, is just having that empathy. And, and people talked about having empathy for your customers, right? Or, you're, you know, just really trying to understand what they were going through so you can help them and define better products and solutions or, you know, campaigns that would resonate with them. And I think that the same is true for these teams, right? There are people I know, like single parents who suddenly had like two kids at home, one laptop, they're trying to like, you know, run a company, they've got these kids, like, it just kind of went crazy. And just having that empathy for for each other, I think really, really helped a lot. And but I do think that showing and sort of displaying and helping people understand context became even more critical because you weren't having those face-to-face meetings. And, and and context is super simple. It's just saying like, this is, this is what I'm up against. These are my goals and this is how I'm going to get there, but let's figure out like what yours are so that we can align those more closely. And so again, I think that it's just a matter, again, it kind of goes back to the communication and relationship concept where you just really need to be working together on things. You know, showing the results, that's always going to be an issue because maybe the technology isn't there or you don't have enough of the right data. But but even even beyond that, I think that there's a lot that, that you can do with, um, again, just working really closely with folks and helping people understand how everybody fits into those goals and and that go-to-market strategy as well. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions. And the, the first is simply everybody out there is a prospect today. Somebody's trying to sell something. Right. something. <laughs> and I'm curious when somebody's trying to get in touch with you and they don't have a trusted referral in, there's not, you know, you don't know somebody that knows them. So there's not this trust that's built in. What works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? 
Yeah, for me, it's uh, humor usually works, but humor humor can be subjective. So I'm not, you know, <laughs> be careful, be careful with that. Um, you know, I definitely have a different personality than others, but I really appreciate it when people take the time to understand who I am. Right? Like, I get a lot of my. You can imagine I get hundreds of emails every day um, with people soliciting for for things, and if they're like trying to like like I I know that I'm successful. I know that I'm good at what I do. I don't need somebody telling me that. So that's not what I'm looking for. But what I'm looking for is somebody who like maybe they listen to a podcast. They weren't just like kind of trolling me on on LinkedIn. They like really got to understand what it is that I'm that I'm trying to accomplish and understand how their product or solution fits into that. So that's that is what what I would look for. And again, obviously testimonials or, or things that my peers are are you know um, talking about is, is really critical for me as well. The other thing that I find a lot with with sales and and this is again an area where I think marketing can help is if you're telling me the same thing over and over again, like you've sent me five emails and your series is literally telling me the same exact thing over and over again. If it didn't work in email one, it's not going to work in two, three, four, five, or six. Right? I'm, I'm just saying, right. right? Try, try something else, right? And you can even say like, okay, well, I guess that didn't work. How about this, right? And so when you're when you're actually trying to figure out like what is going to resonate, um, you know, I, I at least appreciate the effort there. <laughs> Perfect, Rivik. So last question, call it our acceleration insight. If you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people one piece of advice, just one that if they listen to you, believe would help them hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? I believe they everybody needs to collaborate more. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this, but if you if you're working again either siloed or you're thinking about your goals as just your goals and not like how you're going to help the company as a whole excel. It doesn't matter if you're in sales or marketing or product or anything, right? If you're not working together, then it's just not as effective. And so I really feel like, you know, just getting, getting to know your, you know, your, your colleagues within your own organization, you know, the adjacent organizations that you work with and, and really I'm like being, being, you know, honest and authentic about, about building those relationships, I think is pretty critical. Excellent. I love it. Great advice. So Christina, if people want to find the book, where do you prefer we send them? Uh, you can go to swaythebook.com. That's probably the easiest. It's, you know, it's, you can purchase it anywhere, but, um, but that's a, a good place to start. Awesome. And if we want, if they want to talk to you more about these topics and reach out to you personally, yeah. the same place or you want us to send them somewhere different? Uh, then go to LinkedIn's probably good. Christina Del Viar. Again, just don't troll me there. It's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn um, quite often. So it's a good place, good place to start. Excellent. All right, Christina, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.